Wab Canoe and the NDP steamrolled the PCs in Manitoba this week to win a convincing electoral majority. Canoe becomes the first First Nations Premier of a Canadian province, and Heather Stephenson has resigned as leader of the PCs. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Tristan Hopper joins me to discuss why Stephenson failed to resonate with voters, where the PCs stumbled during the campaign, and how the NDP was able to capitalize on that. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So Tristan, it was a big night in Manitoba politics on Tuesday night. We're recording this Wednesday morning after the results have come in, and it was what's being deemed as a pretty historic election win for the NDP. And before we get into some of the the background of the campaign, because it was a pretty wild campaign, what makes this win so notable for the NDP? Because it's not like the NDP hasn't been in power in Manitoba before. Yeah, that's that. It, it's it's sort of like I'm. You know, I've just got some bummer facts. It's sort of like in 2015 when people when the Liberals won and everybody said, oh, it's a historic win for the Liberal Party. And I said, no, no, Liberals winning uh, election in Canada is pretty, pretty standard. Actually, this is the most average Canadian election result you could possibly have. However, um, so, yeah, it, it's been a while since the NDP have been in charge. Usually Manitoba switches governments every 10 or so years. It's been about that amount of time since the NDP were last in charge. So this is entirely ex- expected. Uh, just from sort of a numbers perspective, but I guess, yeah, the big f- thing that everybody's focusing on is that uh, NDP leader Wab Canoe uh, is First Nation. So this is the first time a First Nations person has been premier of a province. They've been premiers of territories, uh, but it's never happened uh, in a province. Now you could say, well, you know, Louis Riel was a leader of Manitoba, which is kind of true. He was sort of a rebel leader of this, you know, not a not a, not a federally recognized premier by any circumstances, um, so yeah. Well, well, that's that's the historic first tonight. But hey, NDP government uh, in a Man- in Manitoba, it's actually been the norm. The last fifty years, twenty seven of those years have been an NDP government in Manitoba. Now, before we get into the, some of the campaign, I just wanted to look at you know the the state or the fate of uh, now former premier, uh, now. For- former PC leader, if I'm not mistaken as well, as she resigned as leader, Heather Stephenson. She came into leadership after uh, former Premier Brian Pallister resigned a couple of years ago, and it never felt like she really caught the attention of voters or or had a, a real love affair with voters, as you might expect a new leader to do in, in some cases when they come in. You get a bit of a bump in the polls, you, you know, the party kind of gets, you know, it, it, it gets a bit of cachet. And Heather Stephenson never really had that. Was this kind of a, an ill-fated election from the get-go for the PCs under her leadership? Oh, yeah. It's been over a year now that whenever we have lists of just uh, approval ratings for premiers, way in the back was always Heather Stephenson. Most hated premier approval, you know, approval ratings of like 20, 25 percent. So uh, it's sort of interesting. I mean, maybe it's a lesson for the federal level. So I know a lot of us are saying, like, why doesn't Trudeau just step down? Everybody hates him. Uh, you just get someone else. They got a couple of years to sort of get, get things going. You know, sometimes you replace them and it's Heather Stephenson and nobody likes her. And it's just sort of a slow bleed until you get to election day. So the NDP and polls have been leading, I think for more than a year and Wab Canoe was the leader in the last election. So he got, you know, his butt handed to him under Brian Pallister, um, you know, four years go by and now he's getting 
just majority governments. So, uh, yeah, obviously, people do not like what the PCs have been doing for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And and looking at some of those reasons, I I mean, this campaign and and even leading into the campaign, there there were a lot of decisions that or or statements that the the PCs had made that caught a lot of people by surprise. And they they campaigned hard on some of these things too. And I think the the one that caused I think the most controversy for a lot of people, um, or at least at least rub people the wrong way, was the idea of searching landfills in the Winnipeg area for possible remains of, of missing and murdered indigenous women and, and trying to make headway in some of these homicide investigations and also bring closure to some of these people's families. And the PCs basically said, no, we're not going to do it. And in fact, they campaigned steadfastly on that and, and caught a lot of people, I think by surprise for how firm they were on that. Now, why was that such a controversial issue in this campaign? I think it's because they campaigned on it. So what this is, is so there's a serial killer, you know, like uh, accused serial killer. And the police say last year, we think two of his victims who are both first nations women, we think he, they were, um, their bodies were thrown in a dump, uh, outside of uh, Winnipeg. So the assembly of Manitoba chiefs, they get a small bursary from the federal government, uh, to study, uh, what it would take to actually search for the remains at this dump. And they come back with, uh, it would be $180 million and it would potentially expose, you'd, you'd have dozens of people searching for up to three years. Uh, those people could be exposed to asbestos. Uh, so the assembly of Manitoba chiefs said, it's a lot of money, but it's possible. Now at the time, uh, Heather Stephenson, the premier, says uh, we're not going to go forward with this plan, which is entirely understandable. I think uh, you know most provincial premiers uh, would have made that decision, and even the NDP, even Wab Canoe, when he was asked, "Are you going to greenlight the 180 million dollars to search this dump?" He didn't say yes. He said, uh, "We're going to do something." Uh, so that might have been just sort of a way of getting out of this. Um, so anyway, I think that was understandable at the time. And at the time, Heather Stephenson, uh, when the liberals tried to make the, the federal liberals tried to say that she was heartless for not uh, greenlighting this. And she said, well, this is not the time to politicize it. We have to make these, these hard decisions, blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's what she said a year ago. Uh, and then fast forward to the provincial election. They've thrown all that out. Now they're taking out billboards saying we are awesome for not searching uh, the dump. That was an, a great idea. You got to vote for us because they're going to search the dump and they're going to blow 180 million and all these people are going to get cancer from asbestos. So you had an issue that was sensitive. Uh, you had a government, I think, making take making a decision that most people would make and then just straight up cynically politicizing it in the middle of an election. So I think there are plenty of Manitobans who are like, yeah, it makes sense that you wouldn't search the dump. Yeah, I was annoyed that people were blockading it. Uh, and But this is very strange behavior uh, from an incumbent provincial government. We'll be right back. Also, during the campaign, one one thing that raised a lot of eyebrows, and I understand that Canada, and like many democracies, works on a system of the secret ballot. You take your beliefs and your feelings about the politicians for whom you have an opportunity to vote, you take them into the voting booth, and you get to mark an X, and no one has to know how you voted. You're free to tell people how you voted, but, you know, that prevents interference in your vote. It didn't used to vote. be that way. For the first few years of Canada, you would show up, you would show up in the center of town, 
and there would be some guy there and he would ask you who you voted for and then you would say the candidate and then the Orange Order would show up and beat the crap out of you with, this was a real thing that happened. So we've had secret ballots since about 1870. Uh, so anyway, yeah, there was, you're mentioning this ad and this print campaign put up by the Manitoba Progressive Conservatives in which they sort of, uh, it's, you know, it's weirdly shot, it's black and white of like some, you know, unknown figure putting a ballot and they're like, you know, when you're in the, uh, the ballot box, you don't need to tell anybody who you voted for because it's a secret ballot and no one's watching. Um, so the takeaway from that is I think they figured out pretty soon after posting it was, um, yeah, you can be ashamed to vote for the Manitoba PCs, but, uh, you know, good news. You don't have to tell anybody you vote for us, which isn't the best message. Um, usually you want to tell voters, uh, you know, we're, we're, you should feel proud to have voted for us rather than this being this shameful thing you have to do in, in black and white in a, in a hidden space. So they put up this video and then took it down almost within hours, but, uh, it got archived. Uh, and then there was also a print campaign very much among, on the same lines. Uh, so I think this is, okay. They, they were basically doomed in this election, um, and may maybe not. Uh, I mean, you can always sort of run an excellent campaign and hope that the NDP shoots itself in the foot, which is usually what happens, uh, at least in Ontario and parts of Atlantic Canada. But in Western Canada, as you know, we have NDPs that aren't insane all of the time and can actually keep it together for an election and run a competent government if they need to. Um, so... I think what this is, is you just get a party that knows it's losing and every political party just has kind of nuts in the back. Uh, they just graduated with a degree in political science. They have no real world experience. They were in student politics. And then you just start getting desperate and you put those people in charge and God knows what happens after that. Well, I mean, yeah, and the, the, the vote... Your vote is your dirty little secret campaign is one of them. And then also, you know, and I, I get there are going to be attack ads in a campaign and I'm sure the NDP ran attack ads against the PCs, but the NDP also turned around and started running attack ads ab about Wab Canoe's past, uh, specifically charged, he was charged with domestic assault and drunk driving. He assaulted a cab driver. Oh, that was all, yeah, all the way back when he was running uh, for the leadership of yeah. the NDP. So yeah, way back when, when Wab Canoe was running for the NDP leadership, uh, you have... Probably one of his leadership rivals mentioning, oh, by the way, if you look at 2003, 2004 for Wab uh drunk driving, beat up a cab driver, and uh, oh, look at these domestic assault charges. So that's that's when it first sort of comes into the uh, public zeitgeist. And then uh, you did have that sort of come up. Uh, the Manitoba PCs put up this full page ad in Manitoba, and it's, it basically says, it, it was sort of a poker theme. It was like, you know, don't bet on the NDP. And then the Joker card is Wab Canoe and mentioning all these charges. So, I mean, that if we can get into the charges, um, the first two uh, he pled guilty to, that was uh, that was drunk driving in 2003. Uh, and then that was eating a cab driver pretty badly. Um, and then, so he, he pled guilty to those and then got like a $1,500 fine. Um, at the time, and then the domestic assault charge—that's uh, that's very different. Those were stayed after a year, uh, and then the woman in that case still says they happened um, as she described, but he's denied it. So that is uh, that that one's still more controversial than the other two, I guess. Yeah, and I I can appreciate that you know the the purported victim in that case probably isn't happy with the way that went but i do you find it odd probably the yeah, cab driver yeah, too but do you do you find it odd that the pcs would turn around and relitigate something in the public sphere that was dealt that essentially was known about the ndp leader 
six years ago. And he is even, I believe he wrote about some of the incidences in his, in his book. Oh yeah. It was in his, uh, it was in his memoir. I, maybe not the domestic assault thing, but uh, yeah. So when you're coming out with something, it's not really like a surprise to anyone. It's sort of like, which election was it? I think it was 2011 or 2015 or something that just before uh, we got to election day, uh, someone was bringing up that Jack Layton way back in the eighties was uh, caught in a raid, a raid at an, a purported rub and tug parlor in Toronto. And this is one of those things that if you're voting Jack Layton, uh, you kind of that, you know, you probably already knew that. And that's, you know, if you're already against Jack Layton, that's probably not going to sway your vote in either direction. So, so yeah, when you make those things just a few days before an election, um, it risks, it risks showing you, showing you as sort of petty and vindictive and, uh, putting out information that, uh, isn't going to change anybody's vote. So, you know, I'm going to guess people who are already prepared to vote for Wabkanu that was sort of baked into the cake, uh, as they say. Um, I, I think it was, it was sort of well-known and obviously it didn't affect the final results. Not to say that Wabkanu and the NDP weren't offering something that voters were looking for. I know that they ran a strong campaign on, on healthcare promises. And I think even just a, a positive campaign compared to what the PCs appeared to be putting out. But do you feel that the PCs kind of gave them this election based on how they ran their own campaign? Uh, yeah, I, I think, I, I, I think the story for me, uh, from my sort of cursory examination of this is that, uh, we've seen this several times in BC, you sort of just saw it in Alberta, uh, in which you're going into an election in which the NDP, uh, is probably going to win. The polls show that they're going to win. And then they get way ahead of their skis and they just start saying all the insane things, uh, that scare people away from the NDP. And then they end up losing a very winnable election. That didn't happen in Manitoba. Um, you had very good message discipline, you know, just saying things that were pretty popular among the electorate. I'd say, uh, the best example of this was, uh, Heather Steffens and the whole issue of, um, Gender transitions in school, this idea that, um, I mean, current policy in Manitoba, like in many provinces, is if a student comes to the teachers and says, oh, I'm a different gender, I'm transitioning. The policy is to immediately affirm that kid's gender and not tell the parents upon request. So this is Heather Stephenson came out and said, uh, we're, we're going to dial back the uh, not telling the parents part. Uh, so we're going to require parental notification and parental consent up to the age of 16. So this has been uh, an issue in four provinces uh, thus far. And the polls show that a vast majority, up to 80%, are in support of policies like that. So uh, yeah, most of the other NDP parties across Canada will say, oh, this is transphobic, this is hateful, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Wab Canoe, just a few days ago, was asked directly, what do you think about this policy? And he gave a very measured, uh, parents have a right to know, parents are not the enemy, uh, et cetera. So yeah, again, that's uh, that, that, that's unusual behavior, I think, from, from many other NDPs that have pulled uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. Now, I, I know you, you're out on the West Coast. I'm in Alberta. Manitoba politics may not get a lot of national coverage, possibly for good reason. I often get it mixed up with New Brunswick. <laughs> but, you know, do you get the sense that this is the PCs, especially after being in government for a number of years and taking a heavy defeat like this, are going to spend some time in the wilderness trying to sort themselves out? Uh before they present a, a legitimate challenge in the next election to Wab Canoe and the NDP, or or is this a party that has its stuff together? 
Uh, yeah, he's probably got a, another term, unless he really screws up. Um, uh, yeah, when you go down this hard, that usually means you're you're out for at least another election. Uh, this this was not a graceful exit. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we'll see how the the NDP government shapes up in the coming weeks. Whether they they stick with more a more moderate path, as some NDP governments have done once they've been elected, or if they drift back to the left. But as always, Tristan, thanks for your time. Thank you. Ten Three is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Tristan Hopper. More from him at NationalPost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.